Welcome to the National Capital Bible Church um, here on Resurrection Sunday. There we go. I uh, certainly wish that all of you were here with us this morning, but uh, thankful that we're able to join you with um, the... uh, Go to training. Go to training uh, method that we have. Now, uh, as we always start uh, on uh, every Sunday, is to take a few seconds for spiritual preparation. And our spiritual preparation is uh, includes taking the opportunity for confession of sins and also focusing on the uh, the true meaning of this day. It's often uh, addressed, as a matter of fact, popular called Easter. I prefer to call it Resurrection Sunday because it's more direct and it helps us to truly understand uh, the meaning of the day. So let's take just a few seconds, closing our eyes and bowing our heads, and then I'll open us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the the, uh, resurrection. We're thankful, Father, that your love sent your Son to the earth. And while he was here, he told many people, certainly his disciples, that his mission was to go to the cross. And we're thankful, Father, not only did was that his mission, but he fulfilled it perfectly. We're thankful this morning as we celebrate uh, the uh, Resurrection Day. We're thankful also for uh, the Passion Week, the Passover Week, and all that occurred during that time. Uh, The Gospels uh, address this week more than any other week in our Lord's life. Therefore, Father, as we uh, study, uh, celebrate this week and this day, we pray, Father, that it will be more than meaningful to us, but it will be encouraging and um, edifying. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a, a slide here that Scott Craig made for us. Uh, the National Capital Bible uh, Church here on the, the 12th of April. And we're going to uh, see some of these uh, uh, verses that he has uh, placed on the slide. Uh, Matthew 27:50, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. His uh, job at that point uh, was finished. He had paid for the sins of the world during the three hours of darkness. And it was at that time that uh, he could 
uh, allow his spirit to depart his his body. And therefore, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ was not... uh, Someone else didn't take his life. He yielded his life himself. And it's a marvelous uh, understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, having uh, not only paid for the sins of the world, but he demonstrates there and also with his resurrection his power over death, life and death. Uh, And then we also see here on Resurrection Day, Matthew 28, 5 through 6, and we will read this uh, again. Uh, But the the angel answered them and said to the the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. And um, one of the uh, remarkable, or the I guess we could say the irony that we have this morning is that many churches are are empty. And I saw this slide, and I uh, sent sent to me by a friend. Uh, This place was also empty on Easter, and that's fine. Uh, Resurrection Sunday. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. And so even though uh, a lot of our churches are empty this morning, or very few there as they uh, record and broadcast services, uh, we can still uh, celebrate the fact that uh, our churches are an illustration of the tomb. It was empty. Uh, But hopefully next year uh, this will have changed. Now, what I'd like to do this morning is begin with several, work our way through the uh, the events of this week. We uh, move through the first um, th- three days, uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Um, so let me quickly do that, and then uh, we'll also begin uh, more of a, a focused study on uh, the resurrection uh, morning. Uh, first of all, uh, Sunday was the day of the presentation of the Passover of the Lamb. It's very often called, and not inappropriately, appropriately, but it's very often called the triumphal entry or Palm Sunday. And uh, the people thought that he was, the Lord Jesus Christ was coming uh, as the king, but he was not. Uh, the use of palm uh, palm branches was used. Those were normally used uh, for the, the Feast of the Tabernacles. And so those two events are somewhat misleading because it was the presentation. Uh, Nisan 10 which is the day that it would be, was the day that we select the Passover lamb. The Lord Jesus Christ was going to the uh, to the cross. Uh, 
um, on Sunday, Jesus uh, Jesus enters, or we would describe it as his entry into Jerusalem. Now, uh, in Matthew, it appears that uh, Monday, the day of the cleansing of the temple, occurred on Sunday. But uh, it, uh, I think if we understand the other passages, particularly Mark, we see that it was on Monday morning that the Lord Jesus Christ probably entered the tomb, or excuse me, entered the temple uh, late on Sunday, and more than likely the merchants would have would have departed. And so the cleansing probably occurs on Monday. So we'll list that on Monday, the cleansing of the temple. And then also on Monday, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ approached a fig tree. He was hungry. And uh, his uh, intentions uh, at the time was to find fruit. But there was no fruit. And it's at that point uh, the Lord Jesus Christ... uh, uh, cursed it, and the next morning uh, we'll see that the the fig the fig tree was uh, uh, had withered, and the illustration here is that uh, Israel was not producing fruit either. Tuesday and Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday, the, uh, many of the uh, activities that occurred there, we believe, occurred probably on Tuesday. Uh, many theologians would describe Wednesday as uh, a day of uh, quiet uh, teaching of his disciples, that there was probably... Uh, uh, not much that really occurred on Wednesday. But I think that uh, that on Thursday, or excuse me, on Wednesday, that was a time of uh, more intimate and uh, personal training of, um, of his disciples. And so we'll see these events. First of all, the Sanhedrin challenged Jesus' uh, authority. Uh, we find this in Matthew 21 and also in Mark 11. Uh, this was part of the Lord Jesus Christ's testing. Um, the, uh, as the Passover lamb, he was to be evaluated to make sure that he was spotless, that he was unblemished. And so this week, much of what we'll see is the challenges that uh, he is given. Secondly, here we see that Jesus gives the Olivet Discord, discourse, and this this probably occurs on Tuesday. It's up on the Mount of Olives, and he's speaking to his disciples, but to others as well. Uh, this is found in Matthew 24, uh, and also 
in uh, Mark 13, Luke 21. Uh, this is his uh, prophetic uh, discourse on the future because his disciples ask him questions and he answers those questions. Uh, we also see that a woman anoints Jesus in Bethany. Now, what's interesting here is that we have a passage in Mark that seems to indicate that this was uh, Mary of Bethany. But the, the women who... Uh, but that occurs prior to uh, the triumphal entry or uh, the Lord entering Jerusalem. And so uh, it appears that this is uh, another woman, and maybe there were others who did as well. Uh, so this, uh, at this point, a woman anoints Jesus in Bethany. Uh, the woman is not identified. Uh, we know that it's not uh, not Mary, or at least the Mary of Bethany. And then we also see that this is the time that Judas bargains bargains with the Jewish rulers to portray Jesus. Uh, It was during this time that uh, I think that Judas, who was more focused on money, than certainly anything else, decides he has the opportunity to make uh, uh, a financial transaction uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I believe that um, Judas uh, had an affection for Jesus, but he thought that since he was perfect, since he had, uh, Judas observes him, uh, he doesn't believe there's, uh, that he would be found uh, guilty. But we'll see that this was not Judas's plan, but it was God's plan. Now, uh, and as I said, now let's move, move to Thursday. As I said, uh, Wednesday is uh, probably the day that the uh, Olivet uh, Discourse was given. Now, uh, Thursday. On Thursday, Jesus eats the Passover meal with his disciples and institutes the memorial meal. This is the day that he changes the, um, uh, the meal from uh, the Passover the departure of Egypt to uh, his to a memorial of his death. Uh, also, Jesus gives the upper room discourse. Uh, this is found in John thirteen and seventeen. John thirteen through seventeen is a, a, a very intimate time. With the, Lord Je- uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ and his disciples. Uh, it's, very, uh, it's a remarkable uh, pas- uh, passage, chapters, because uh, during this time, 
the Lord speaks to his children or uh, to his disciples, as a matter of fact, uh, beginning in uh, John 13. Uh, that's when the Lord demonstrates his uh, uh, his servanthood by washing his disciples' feet. Uh, and then from then on, he's talking to them. He's uh, training them, uh, leading them uh, for the future. It's during this time that he promises for uh, to send, uh, to request the Father to send uh, the Holy Spirit. It's also this time that he pa- uh, prays for his disciples. Um uh, and then finally, they prepare themselves uh, after the the meal to depart for the uh, the uh, Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, it's in the Garden of Gethsemane that he prays for himself and for his disciples. Uh, it's a, a wonderful uh, passage as the Lord Jesus Christ is having a conversation with the Father. And it's during that time that uh, he realizes in his humanity uh, the the difficulty, the agony that he will experience. Uh, And he asks for this cup, this mission, uh, this death on the cross to pass from him. Uh, But he knows that it's God's will for him to go to the cross. Jesus is betrayed and arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, uh, as we finish Thursday, it's very difficult to determine because the Bible, the Scripture, doesn't give us times. And so uh, Jesus' betrayal and uh, uh, arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane occurs very light, late at night. Uh, it could have occurred uh, early in the morning. And we're now when we talk about the morning, we're really talking about Roman time. So this is uh, a bit confusing, but I think that it was on Thursday, the late Thursday, that Jesus is betrayed by uh, Judas. And... Uh, It is also at that time, you may remember in John, that he demonstrates who he is because uh, the uh, members of the Sanhedrin and portions of a Roman uh, cohort come to to take him and they ask who who is Jesus or uh, who the... trying to remember exactly the uh, words that are used. But uh, when the Lord responds to them, he says, I am. And it, his, uh, his power, his glory, uh, knocks the entire uh, cohort down. They have to scramble to get up. And once more, he says, I am. I'm the one that you seek. Now, uh, on Friday... And I'll move through this rather quickly because uh, this is uh, Friday, the day of the trials and the cross. And there will be uh, six trials and there's a lot of activity ongoing. 
and more like more than likely uh, many of these events are uh, very uh, close in timing so we'll start with uh, after Jesus is arrested in the garden of gethsemane he is taken into J- to Jerusalem and there he faces three Jewish trials Ananias Caiaphas and the entire Sanhedrin. And it was during this time that the Sanhedrin formulate the charges that will go to Pilate. The Sanhedrin can certainly find him guilty of any charges, but if they want him to be executed... That has to be done by a Roman uh, judge. Peter denies Jesus three times. Uh, and this uh, is something that I think is uh, an extraordinary uh, moment uh, during uh, Peter's life. Uh, he uh, is a, a strong individual. I think he's very courageous. But first of all... Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, prophesied that he would deny him. And then uh, Peter uh, simply does not have the ability to stand uh, against the uh, accusations that he was with the Lord. Um, later, I think his uh, this will uh, cause him to be a very uh, courageous uh, Uh, apostle. Uh, We'll see that it's during this time that Jesus hangs himself. Jesus then uh, faces three Roman trials. Uh, One uh, starts out with Pilate, then Herod, and then also uh, Pilate one one more time. Uh, Pilate finally uh, relents in his last trial and he turns uh, the, uh, the Lord over to the uh, uh, the, the Roman uh, forces there cohort to uh, execute Jesus. Jesus is mocked and then finally he is crucified. Uh, this is an extraordinary uh, time. Uh, It's probably somewhere in the vicinity of, uh, for us, uh, 6 uh, o'clock a.m., 6 a.m., that he is uh, uh, found guilty and that he is mocked. Uh, And it's not until 9 o'clock that he actually, mid-morning, 9 o'clock for us, would have been 3 o'clock for the Jews, but 9 o'clock for uh, Roman time that he goes to the cross. So 9 o'clock to 12 o'clock, he is on the cross, uh, enduring the uh, excruciation of the cross. And then at uh, noon, 12 o'clock, uh, he begins uh, the uh, the payment, the redemption for the sin. Uh, the payment for the sin uh, for the sins of the world, and from noon to three in the afternoon, uh, again Roman time, he endures the uh, punishment for sins, 
And then it was uh, approximately, uh, it's approximately three in the afternoon that uh, he dismisses his spirit. It was during that time that the veil of the temple was torn uh, as Jesus dies. And finally, in the afternoon, from three in the afternoon to six in the afternoon, uh, 6 p.m., Jesus is taken down from the cross uh, and uh, Joseph of Mathia offers uh, his tomb. As a matter of fact, he goes to Pilate, asks for the body. Pilate says, fine. And, of course, the Jewish leadership uh, wants the body taken down and placed uh, in the ground prior to the Sabbath. And so Jesus is buried in the tomb of Joseph uh, of Arimathea. And then finally, we come to the day of of, uh, what I'm calling here the day of Sabbath rest. That's going to be Saturday. And nothing occurs on Saturday. Uh, Everybody, uh, I'm sure there was great mourning for the loss of their Lord. Uh, It's remarkable that at that time, even though the Lord Jesus Christ had uh, instructed them on what would happen, they were of the opinion at that point that uh, he had died and that they would see him no more. And then, of course, on Sunday was the day of uh, resurrection. Uh, What I'd like to do now is focus on three events. Uh, Three events, the events of the Passover week. Uh, This is going to actually uh, be uh, uh, Sunday, the resurrection day. And uh, we're going to look here at the resurrection. And the resurrection, there are so many events that we could uh, we could study. Um, and we have uh, on other uh, resurrection Sundays. But what I'd like to do is read the passages of his resurrection. So let's, in our Bibles, let's turn, first of all, to Matthew. Matthew 28. And let's just read these passages. We'll notice, uh, we'll make some observations as we go, but uh, there are three events, uh, once we've read these four passages, that I'd like to expand. Verse 1 of Matthew 28. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, and this is... um, Uh, an interesting um, expression because you'll remember that uh, Roman time is the same as ours. So midnight is the first part of the new day. But for the Jews, their day starts in the evening. And so the, uh, the dawning 
is really 12 hours later, or actually the, the Jews would very often call the, uh, the dawning would be start in the evening and go through what we would call midnight and then the next morning, and that would be the rising of the sun. The sun is set, and so dawning begins for them. Now, again, this is a uh, uh, sometimes difficult to understand uh, because the day for the Jews begins six hours earlier than than what we would call the Roman time or time today. Um, so their day begins in the evening. And that's... Uh, so uh, here we see that uh, after the Sabbath, uh, the first day of the week began to dawn. Uh, and it's probably during that night that the women begin to gather uh, because the, the Sabbath has passed and now they're able to gather the spices that they need. Uh, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Uh, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Uh, I'll, I'll speak about this a little bit later. That had to have been an extraordinary event. Uh, when the Bible uh, describes an earthquake, and this is probably a, uh, a subsequent tremor from the earthquake that was uh, that occurred while the Lord was on the cross. Uh, so another uh, another quake, we would say. Uh, and then the angel of the Lord de- uh, descends from heaven, rolls the stone away. Uh, can you imagine the honor it was for that angel to be uh, the one selected to roll the stone? And how difficult would it have been to ro- roll that stone? Uh, for the angel, probably very simple. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, about the rolling of the stone. It says, the rolling of the stone from the door, and then he sat on it. He sits on the uh, on the stone. And of course, we know that uh, the Lord is gone. The stone has been uh, removed by this uh, angel. Um, and so, it's it was not for him to see uh, uh, Jesus in the tomb, he was simply rolling the stone to exhibit the fact that no one was there. Uh, and that it says he sits on it. Uh, it's almost as if uh, he's, uh, uh, you know, uh, pleased with his work. And uh, he's going to observe. He's sitting and will observe uh, those who come to the to the tomb and uh, his he's looking forward to their response to what they see uh, verse 3 his countenance was like lightning uh, we pass over there uh, that rather quickly how in the world uh, is his appearance uh, like lightning uh, what would it be it's 
it's really the description of an angel. It's they're called fiery messengers. Uh, can you can you imagine seeing someone or something uh, that has the appearance of lightning? Um, I'm not sure I can even imagine that. But he has uh, his countenance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. They weren't dead because they're going to give a report later. Uh, But they are what we would say they're scared stiff. Verse 5. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. Therefore, you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Verse 8. So they, the women, went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring, uh, to bring his disciples, uh, and ran to bring his disciples' word. In other words, the message in uh, the information. Uh, they leave with fear. But they also bring great joy. Why are they fearful? They're fearful because they are surprised. They do not know what is about to happen. Uh, Jesus is not there. Uh, He is risen. Uh, That's the joyful part of it. But uh, the, uh, the challenge probably is to truly understand all of the uh, the facts related to his disappearance. Um, I uh, the next passage here nine uh, uh, ten, nine and ten, and as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, "Rejoice!" So they came and held held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren, the disciples, to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. All right. Uh, Quickly, let's move to Mark 16. Mark 16, verse 1. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices that they may come and anoint him. Now, they're going to come very early in the morning for us, what we would call early in the morning. But for them, uh, it's been 12, 12 hours. And I think it's during that period of time that they have purchased the uh, spices and they are now ready very early in the morning. They're going to arrive uh, probably uh, uh uh, while it's still what we would call twilight. Uh, very, they came very early in the morning on the first day of the week. They came to the tomb to the tomb when the sun had risen. Uh, and what we're going to see is 
there are several passages, some that indicate that it was still dark when they arrived, but when they really uh, moved towards the tomb, uh, the sun is risen. And they said amongst themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? Notice they're discussing this as they approach. But when they had looked, when they had looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. It appears that uh, when the uh, the angel that originally uh, appeared, he had this fiery appearance, and that's what froze the soldiers. But now we don't. Uh, we don't read that appearance. So he appears to have changed his appearance. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed uh, because they're, they, again, they're uh, uh, astonished by what has happened. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. And notice specifically Peter. uh, That he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. All right. Let's turn to Luke. Luke 24, Luke 24, Luke 24. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they, and these are the women uh, at the end of chapter 23, uh, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which, which they had which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining, ar- uh, in shining garments. Now, uh, some people wonder why in uh, some of the passages there's one and other places there two, there's two. Um, well, uh, the... Uh, the authors are simply identifying uh, one in some cases and two of the uh, in the other uh, here, uh, and I think the explanation is rather simple: that there were two, but uh, the one who's speaking or acting is the one that's identified here. Verse five. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living? They, the uh, angels, said to the women, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. The Lord Jesus Christ had taught uh, had taught them about this, and then verse eight says, "And they remembered his words." 
Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven, uh, to the eleven, and to all the rest. Now let's uh, turn to John. John twenty. This is a passage that probably most uh, pastors will. T- We'll teach this morning, and it's the most common one that we that we see. Uh, John twenty. Now the first day of the week. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark. And so, as we compare these passages, we see that John says it was still dark. Another one seems to say that the sun uh, has risen. Well, there's there's a lot of activity here by the women, uh, getting the the spices, preparing the spices, and then uh, traveling to the tomb and uh, uh, finally arriving. So uh, a lot of the activity was done while it was still dark. And they saw that the stone had been uh, taken away from the tomb. Uh, Verse 2, Then she ran and came to Simon Peter, Uh, and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Uh, This tells us that they still don't understand this situation. Uh, They they did not expect a risen Lord. Uh, They expected to, to, uh, to find the body. Verse 3, Peter therefore went out and the other disciples and the other disciple, and this was John, and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple, John, outran Peter. He was younger and quicker and came to the tomb first. And stooping down and looking in, he saw linen, linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head. And what the way this was normally done is that a, a piece of cloth, a, a, here it's identified as a handkerchief, and it was rolled up and it would be put around his head to hold the uh, the mouth closed. It says, um, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the uh, linen uh, cloths, but folded together. And I think of the translation there is much better. It's rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away to their own homes. All right. Uh, these are the passages uh, that I wanted to uh, to read. But now let's look at these events. First of all, the dawning of the resurrection. The women here, uh, Mary Magdalene, uh, and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, come to the tomb uh, as the Sabbath day is ending. And we read that in Mark 16.1. Matthew says that the dawn 
of Sunday is breaking. And dawn in the English means the first light. But in Jewish context, the word dawn means the beginning of the new day. And for the Jews, the new day began after sunset, remember? So for them, uh, it's going to be uh, still dark when the day begins. Uh, as a matter of fact, there is uh, some extra biblical evidence that uh, when, the, when, the, when the first three stars could be seen, that's the beginning of the new day. So it's at night for us. Um, and for the Jews, the new day began after sunset. Since Matthew was addressing Jews, dawn towards the first day of the week meant late Saturday afternoon, shortly before sundown. Once the set set, once the sun set, and they were able to see those three stars, shops often opened for business. The women would purchase the spices, intending to finish the burial procedure uh, early on Sunday. So this indicates that they did not anticipate the resurrection. Now, a couple observations here. Uh, These are women who had followed and listened to Jesus for most of his ministry. They were not approaching the tomb to celebrate his resurrection, but to embalm him for for the physical decomposition, uh, decomposition. We are very often critical of the disciples for their ignorance. Uh, actually, these women were disciples also, just not part of the intimate twelve. But these women were just as confused. They were about to receive the greatest surprise of their lives. So, uh, we should not be very critical of the disciples. It was almost impossible for people to believe his disciples, his most intimate uh, people, uh, to understand what was happening at that time. Secondly, isn't isn't it amazing how surprised we can be in life when God provides or protects us? We are not uh, we are not more uh, trustworthy. We are no more trustworthy than these women to the wonderful promises that God has presented to us. <clears throat> we are fearful, anxious, very often worrisome, and nervous when our present and future is actually in the hands of the Lord. We are human and trusting. Uh, What we can't see is difficult for us to understand. Jesus tells his disciples and us that blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And he tells them that in John 20, 29, after the disciples, he appears to disciples in the upper room. We must learn to believe the simple words of our Lord, which is the word of God. Would we have anticipated his resurrection? Maybe we can answer that question 
by asking another question. Do we, do we today anticipate his return, the rapture? It's a difficult question to answer. We should. The opening of the tomb. This was a remarkable morning. I cannot imagine what it would have been uh, had we been there, had we been there to observe it. That morning, at least three extraordinary events occurred. First of all, behold, we're told, there was a great, I think we could call this a severe uh, earthquake. This might have been an aftershock from the earthquake during the three hours of darkness. The Bible says it was a great or severe earthquake, which means it must have been tremendous. Uh, I'm sure that uh, had any of us been there, uh, it would have been extraordinary. And this is one of the announcements of the Lord's departure. He's gone, and nature responds to it. Secondly, an angel descends from heaven and rolls the stone. This accomplishes not only, uh, this accomplishment not only moves the stone, but it breaks the Roman seal. Uh, and I imagine that the Roman seal that was placed on it, and, and we don't have uh, an idea of exactly how it was do done, uh, but it was probably mortared, closed. Um, I often wonder uh, how the angel moved the stone. Did he appear and move it with both hands? Remember, it's a, a very heavy stone. Uh, did he just point? Did he use a finger? Did he move it with his finger? Um, uh, did he speak to it? Did he kick it? Uh, how in the world did he move this very heavy stone? The stone was heavy. The s stone was sealed, but not a challenge for this fiery messenger from God. And then, as I said, I think satisfied of his work, he sat on top of it as if, as if to say, I rolled the stone away. The third thing that occurred um, then because the angel's appearance was as lightning and his raiment white as snow, fear fell on the Roman guards and they became as dead men. They were literally scared to death, but not dead because they'll have to give a report later on. These were Roman legionary, uh, legionaries, <clears throat> probably uh, tough customers, but they are no match for an image that appeared like lightning. Notice, they did not run, but simply dropped into unconsciousness. <clears throat> I guess the uh, events here that we could say is, uh, what is our observations? First of all, is who is in charge here? Pilate, the Jewish rulers, or God? God's messenger is the stage manager and his work 
is incredible. This was God's direction, and it was accomplished with overwhelming power. Again, we must not trust God. Uh, We must not only trust God, but realize we are trusting in the the invisible, invincible God of the universe. He may not move heaven and earth before us, uh, although he could, and maybe he is, but we need to trust him for who he is. And then secondly, we are surrounded by legions of these messengers. Elijah's servant was allowed to see them in Second Kings 6. Remember the uh, city in which they were located. It was surrounded by Syrian, the uh, Syrian army. But the Syrian army was surrounded by an angelic army. Elijah said to his servant, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. God is protecting us. And then the report to the disciples. Mary ran to tell two of the disciples. We believe as we observe the the passages that Mary runs to tell two of the disciples, or at least she encounters Peter and John. And she tells them that the body has been removed from the tomb. Uh, She assumed uh, this when she saw the tomb was empty and open. The women also told other the other nine disciples but they didn't believe the reports remember they they think the women are uh are speaking nonsense to them it was like to these disciples it was like idle talk most lexicons translate this word simply as that which is totally devoid of anything worthwhile idle talk nonsense is another way of saying it. However, in extra-biblical literature, it's, uh, the word is used for delirium. Uh, and the fact that Luke was familiar with this definition is another indication of his, profesh- his profession. He was a doctor, and so he describes it as delirium, I think. Peter and John raced together to the tomb to investigate. John outran Peter. However, when he reaches the entrance to the tomb, he stopped without entering. He stooped down, looked inside, and saw the strips of linen cloth still rolled up, indicating that the resurrection had occurred right through the grave, the grave uh, clothes, as the cloths were not unwrapped. Uh, the headpiece that was rolled up is laying by itself. Now, periodically, we read that there is some meaning to the way the cloths are placed. Uh, Yes, they do have a meaning. Jesus is gone, but that's all. That's all they mean. Jesus did not uh, fold the cloth as if he had, uh, as if he had done, uh, as if he was gone or not returning. He was simply gone. Also, the body uh, had not been stolen. 
No one stealing the body would have taken the time to unwrap the body and then take it without the uh, the, the clothes that are wrapped uh, of uh, around a dead body. So they, so they wouldn't have left the cloths in the uh, in the tomb. Finally, Peter arrived, and as expected, he ran impetuously into the tomb, as if there, uh, as if he had been there previously. Peter sees the same sight as John, who now also enters. When the two men left the area, uh, each had come to a different conclusion. John believed that the resurrection had occurred. Peter was amazed, pondering what he could, what he should determine of the evidence. Now, two closing observations here. The women are surprised. They're surprised that the body is not in the tomb. They're they're perplexed. The disciples are surprised that the women can't find the body. They're skeptical. The angels are surprised that anyone would even be looking for the body. They are knowledgeable. The angels remind the women that Jesus had told them what they had told what Jesus had told them in Galilee, that he would be crucified and raised again. We must not be perplexed or skeptical at the at the uh, the empty tomb. We must be like the angels knowledgeable and eager to tell the good news. And finally here, at the evidence of the tomb, people react differently. We have three in this passage. The women were excited and anxious to tell others. We're told that they were fearful because they didn't understand it, but they were overjoyed as well. And they ran to tell the disciples. We also see that John believed because of uh, he uh, he believed because of what he saw. John did not yet remember what Jesus had taught them, but the absence of the body convinced him. Peter was simply amazed. As he departs the tomb, he ponders what he should what he should decide about the empty tomb. Once more, Jesus had done something that astonishing that astonishes Peter. These three responsible, these three uh, responses are reasonable. We should be excited by the news that the tomb is empty. We should conclude that the evidence should lead us to belief. And we should marvel, be amazed at the astonishing resurrection of our Savior. So, the tomb is empty. He is risen. And there's a phrase that's very often used uh, when one person says, He is risen, and the other one is, He is risen indeed. Uh, this is uh, the most important uh, activity, action, event uh, in human history. The Lord Jesus Christ goes to the cross uh, to atone for our sins. Uh, he dies. He yields his, his life. 
He is taken down from the cross. He is prepared for death. He is placed in the tomb. But in three days, the tomb is empty. And this is the basis, truly the basis, for our our faith, uh, our Christian life. Uh, the Lord has risen. Uh, he will continue for uh, another, starts with, uh, it's a period of 50 days, but it's 40 days of ministry to the disciples and to others. Many will see him, but he's going to return. He sits this morning at the right hand of the Father, the Father observing human history, and he is going to send the Lord at a specific time, the rapture for the believers in the Lord in the, the church age. Um, we must believe this. We must anticipate it, and it should be part of our faith. Let's bow our heads and and uh, bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful for uh, the remarkable news that we have in the Word of God regarding your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that uh, it should not be something that is just uh, uh astonishing and something that it's difficult for us to believe even though it is but you have made a promise uh, the Lord Jesus Christ has kept that promise by uh, uh, rising from the dead and not only does he rise from the dead but he demonstrates his love and his care for us in his teaching and telling us um, that uh, he has given us peace. Uh, the peace, he says, the peace that I have, the peace I give to you. As a matter of fact, in John uh, 20, for John 14, we'll see this in just one moment. We're thankful for the peace that we can have because of who the Lord, just, the Lord Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. Here is, uh, and, and we, and we, Ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we live in a troubled time, but God's light shines through the troubled sky. Uh, God's peace is given to us who seek him. John fourteen twenty seven. Let me read John fourteen twenty seven. John fourteen twenty seven. It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And this was the Lord's message to his disciples. And really, it should be our uh, the message that we accept and we trust uh, this morning as well.